0: From the Hip! I don't know, that's all I got. (laughs) Welcome everyone to From the Hip, Season 2, Episode 16. It is September 19th. 19th, <laughs> 2019, and I am Adam Abe here with Robert Walker and Caleb Peterson. What's going on, fellas?
1: Oh, nothing much. Yeah,
0: for for having been apart for so long <laughs> and not being uh, <laughs> being on this podcast for so long, we have an awful lot to say, don't mm, we?
1: I don't even recognize Robert anymore. Look at him.
2: I'm trying to figure out if that's a good or a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Your hair is getting long. Have you measured it?
2: I've not measured it, but it's not halfway done to being where it needs to be. So wow!
0: So you've got more than
2: I have to have a foot of hair, just the ponytail, for them to take it. Okay, wow! So it'll be like thirteen or fourteen inches total. Wow,
0: that is crazy. And is that they'll take more than just a ponytail's worth though? They'll take all. What they'll
2: do is they'll like make as many as they can. I'm not exactly sure because I've never done this before. Okay. But they'll take and then whatever they can, I'm pretty sure they will, like, even it out for you. They're not just going to leave you with, like, this. <laughs> They're just
0: not going <laughs> to take a machete to your hair and yeah. just lop it yeah. off.
2: Yeah. <laughs> leave you Which, with to be fair, I cut my own hair typically. So even if they did, i just drive home and cut it. So yeah.
0: <laughs> you cut your own hair. Yeah. So it, Abigail doesn't do it for you. No. Or anything.
2: Mm. Wow. So... That's impressive. I mean, a buzz cut is not exactly okay. yeah. rocket science. <laughs> <so>. Fair enough. <laughs> all right.
0: And so just to clarify, you're doing that. You're donating your hair. Yes. So, to if, of love, so. if anybody who's listening doesn't understand what we're talking about, <laughs> you're donating your hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, good. Um, well, it's been a while since we've uh, met and recorded an episode. Mm-hmm. So we've all had things going on. I've been doing school. You have been enjoying... Wedded bliss, yes, right. <laughs> uh, is that a good? Uh, sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Robert, uh, what's what's been going on with you besides uh, growing your
2: hair? Growing my hair, transitioning from summer to just the school year yeah. and all the differences that is for children's ministry stuff.
0: That is so busy. Like yes. I think <laughs> I think ministry wide, church wide. There's just because our college students are back. And people get back into, even like students, kids, parents get back into the normal Mm -hmm. swing of getting their kids to school and and stuff like that. It's just, and you've got the fall activities coming up. I mean, we've got the fall festival, Harvest Festival. Um, We've got Trunk or Treat. And then just, we've already started talking about holiday preparations. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's just a busy season, but it's good. It's a lot of fun too. A lot of these fun things coming up. So... Mm -hmm um have you guys seen this uh thing going around the friends theme somebody arranged it in a minor key mm. have you guys seen this
1: i have seen it it was actually a little while ago Okay. Uh, so i haven't heard it for a maybe
0: while, i'm but. late to the <laughs> to the you know whatever but <laughs> but i just saw it just a few days ago maybe a week or so ago and uh and man like as a as a Fan of the show, friends, it really threw me off. (laughs) It really threw me off. So um, here's what I want to do. I'm going to play the original, uh, just a snippet of the original, and then I want us to compare it with a snippet of the theme song in minor key. Uh, And then it reminded me of something else that came around and kind of made the rounds a few years ago that I want to play with you too, play for you too. But anyway, so here is the uh, snippet of the original Friends theme song, okay?
1: All right, so. Very cheery. Yes. Very happy. And settling in on a Friday night, watching a show, you know, yeah, yeah and
0: yeah. and even if you are are watching it on the television, mm-hmm. I mean the the characters are dancing around and you know, just goofing off with one another and splashing water. And the it's just a yeah, that's stuff. right. It's just, yeah, fun, yeah, yeah. it's just a fun. It's just a fun. It brings lots of smiles yeah. to your to your uh, face, right? Um, this is the reaction that that people typically get, but. If you haven't heard this, when I heard this rendition of the Friends theme song, it brings an entirely different emotional (laughs) response. Uh, So listen to this. Here's another snippet of the same part of the song, but apparently in, in minor key. So here it is. All right. So take some time. Wipe the wow, tears from yeah. your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> you know I have Kleenexes in here. For some <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what happened to that song? It <laughs> just it just the, it just, the <laughs> minor key, and I want to ask you about that because mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure how this works, mm-hmm. but. How does it make it into this heart-wrenching ballad that you just want to like <laughs> go outside and stand in the rain and you know, <laughs> <laughs> even though the words are yeah like
1: the now same now the words lyrics. have the same yeah it's the same exact lyrics but they have a completely different interpretation in yes. your heart and your mind yeah that's very uh, very interesting all right so
0: for someone who's not musically Educated, or just doesn't know, didn't pay attention into their fourth grade, you know, music class. <laughs> um, so if you have, you know, uh, the notes, right? A, B, C, D, D. E. Yeah. <laughs> it's also the alphabet, or
1: if you just don't know the alphabet. <laughs> but, but once you hit G, then you got to stop. So, so, yeah, but yeah, if
0: yeah. it's an A, mm-hmm. why does an A? sounds so different than an A minor. Mm, yeah, okay, okay. Good I don't, question. That's what I don't understand. So
1: it's because it, it sounds... Um, in order for us to communicate about music, we simplify things. So when you hear that a song is in the key of A, that uh, that can be one of two things. It can be in the major key of A or in A minor. That does not mean that A, the note, that frequency changes. What changes is the scale that's used in the song. So a major scale of eight notes uh, goes in one way, and then a minor scale starts at the same note, at A, but then as it goes up, there are two main notes that change. The third note. So A B C, which is usually a C sharp in the major key. Yeah, am, am I getting? Am I losing yeah. you know? it now? No, becomes I'm, a, I'm lost. It completely. becomes a C natural. So, um, uh, so I don't know if this is an actual A or not. I'm, I don't have um, perfect hearing, but hearing. But if you're uh, f- like a major... <laughs> major <laughs> <laughs> all right, whatever. Keeling. Allow me to lay heads on yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> And now we're talking about <laughs> Pentecostalism.
1: <laughs> okay, so here's here's the first three notes of a major scale. Ah. Uh, I don't know what... Again, I don't know what scale that is, what note's starting on. But if I start it but make it a minor scale, it's going to sound like... Uh, and so everything then in that song, that particular note, is going to drop a half step, okay. which is going to give it a sound that we usually connote with either sadness or anger or epicness or whatever, okay. so on and so forth. So
0: so yeah. Why? Why do we usually connote that with? Oh man, sadness and yeah, anger? I have no idea. Okay, it's just okay.
1: It just sounds like that. I, that's uh, that's the that's the best way that you can go along with it. There are probably people who have written books on it yeah. who have major theories on it. And I minor theories as well. The <laughs> well done. Go, <laughs> um, so, I I think it's primarily because of what what culture says so I, I would love for there to be some sort of uh like uh, i don't know what's the word test on babies or children Are <laughs> they i know it's the on children? Yeah, experimenting on children experimenting on children where where we can we, if, if we were to put them in a room on their own without anybody else giving them any responses to music yeah. and playing many different styles, many different keys, many different so on and so forth, how they would respond. That would be a very interesting experiment to me. And when I actually have children, this is going to be something that I do. So, uh, <laughs> But like I feel like over time, with as much, especially now musical saturation there is in our culture that we're hearing it all the time everywhere we go that there are these general connotations that are built into certain scales or certain styles or rhythms or and so on and so forth so
2: so i think that's interesting i've always wondered though if there's something just innate to how humans are wired that we interpret it that way because we abigail and i both love music we're not super musically inclined, but she plays drums, I play guitar. So we started playing music for Esther when she was like three, four months old. Like as we're riding in the car, we try different things. And we learned very quickly that certain things she liked, and certain things she didn't. Yeah. And there were certain types of things, just the more epic, the more, um, think like Lord of the Rings, when the Nazgul are coming up Weathertop, we didn't Obviously play she that. she
1: loves it, right? We didn't play that. But that <laughs>
2: kind of music that creates in us a sense of foreboding she, she was terrified of it. Hmm. Even if it wasn't really loud, we were very careful to keep the volume normal. She didn't like it at all. But if we played something Disney, something fun, she, she, she was fine with it. Hmm. And it was really interesting to me because you're four, five, six months old, and you already have a, on some level a sense of, I don't like this more dark, brooding tune. And I don't know if it was just, it just happened to be she hated those songs that we played, or if there was something deeper to say there's something in us as human beings that when we hear music, we just interpret it that way.
1: Yeah. So you laugh at me for wanting to experiment on children, but you did. It. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> right. <laughs>
2: no, we were seeking to instill in our child a love of various types of music. Oh, uh, there
1: you go. There you go. It's you all know, about how you,
2: it. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: I, I mean, I can remember as a child listening to music on the radio and not you know not having seen a music video to accompany that song or not having seen the facial expressions of the singer singing that song I mean I remember as a child listening and saying and and not even really listening to the lyrics but saying this is a sad song mm. because of just because of the of the slower tempo mm-hmm. um Uh, And I don't know what else would have played into that. But having a sense that this is a sad song or this song makes me feel happy. I feel like I want to dance when I listen to this song. And so I don't know. Maybe there is something built in.
1: Yeah, I I see myself in kind of a middle ground. Why I wanted to bring up connotations is because over time, now those things are solidified in Mm -hmm. your mind about a minor key or... Mm -hmm or folk music or like a modern contemporary worship song or something like that. Like those styles, because you've heard it over and over and mm-hmm. again, you've talked about it, you've understood it yourself with other people, we come to a similar you know, understanding of what that makes us feel like or what what that can um, best express to, to one another. And so then it just becomes solidified that that is what mm-hmm. it is. But I wonder if... You know, if we were in a, if we grew up in a completely different culture where they use different scales on a regular basis, they probably have their emotions set to various types of music that, when we hear it, we might find it to be funny or weird or mm-hmm. these other things. Okay. So, so I do believe that I don't know how he did it, but yes, I think the Lord put something innately in us to understand musical uh, expression in a certain way, but at the end of the day, you're also kind of a computer. So you take in data, you you store it, and then you remember that, and it comes back to you as, oh, before that made me feel like this or gotcha. this. So mm-hmm. I think it's definitely a mixture of both. Um, but but to say that a minor key can only express one type of thing or another thing would be f- too far-reaching for me. Okay. Mm-hmm. So. Well,
0: here's another example. Uh, this circulated several years ago Um you might know where I'm going with this, but the Imperial March uh, from Star Wars. <laughs> so Darth Vader's entrance, I don't know if it's actually when he entered the scene in the movie, but but the song that's associated most with, yeah. with Darth Vader. So here's, here's a snippet of the original. So this is the Imperial March. <laughs> ¶¶ So, Beautiful. Yeah, I mean <laughs> masterpiece. I, I love Wonderful. it. Right, but what does that? What does that make you feel? Uh.
1: Uh. Initially, yeah, definitely that that feeling of of potential fearfulness of authority, okay, some other good. authority coming my way. You know, now because we've heard it so much. I don't know. There's just other things that right. uh, you know. There's <laughs> right almost it. nostalgia. Yeah, nostalgia. It minute, yeah, thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: So. But yeah, I, I like the way you put that. There's there's an authority that has just entered the scene. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and something tells me that I need to bow down to this person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And or, and it's not. It doesn't sound like a loving authority. No, no, no. <laughs> no. like he's going to force choke me yeah. if I'm going <laughs> <Like, literally, laughs> yeah. to do something uh, <laughs> if I don't obey. So um, anyway, so that's the original. But then somebody put this same song in a major key. Okay. Uh, and it sounds very different. <laughs> Here it is.
2: <laughs> so how about that? Uh, <laughs> I, I, I have clowns in my head. Yeah, for I sure <laughs> like happy little
1: elves, you okay, know, yeah, just yes.
0: marching in a parade or something,
1: <laughs> handing out suckers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> somebody
0: left a comment on this this the YouTube video, although it's not really a video; it's just a still image. But somebody left a comment that this is what they play in the Stormtroopers' graduation ceremony. <laughs> 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 yes, now that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was very funny, very well done. Because it's still
1: a march. Yeah. There's still movement mm-hmm. forward. There's still almost like intention, you know, yeah. behind There's it. There's still that precision of Yeah, it's precise. But at the same time, it's like flowery pe- precision. <laughs> <laughs> flowery precision. <laughs> Tip
2: throat. Tiptoe through the tulips in an orderly fashion. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so you
0: said it it would be too far-reaching for us to just automatically associate minor keys with sadness and whatever. Mm -hmm. The same would probably be true, because this is in a major key, and yet it took this, you know dark foreboding song mm-hmm. and turned it into this happy frolicking you know so we can't do that with major either we can't just assume that something being played in a major key means it's going to be a happy chipper mm, tune yeah tune uh I, I don't know what else to say because i still don't <laughs> understand the minor major thing yeah yeah uh, yeah but
1: and, yeah i mean that's it's hard to it's hard to explain because you you tend to associate certain sounds with certain things. Yeah. So, um, but it is true that uh, music does affect us in a such a way, and it affects our emotions. But I think first, before it affects our emotions, it affects our perspective, our perception mm-hmm. of something, and that percep- that that perspective of that thing. Then causes us to emote in a certain way.
0: So it's almost like a cycle. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And yeah. and it's uh, so like for example, there's there's one that I was going to bring up, but we don't have to we don't have to play fifteen okay. different clips in this yeah. one. But there's there's the one with the Jurassic Park scene where they first see the dinosaurs over the over the ledge, and like the original music is very very uh, inspiring yeah. and exciting. Anyway, now. People have found it a lot of fun in memes and stuff like that. To do a couple of things, one, they keep the same music, but then when their faces turn, they're not dinosaurs. They're like, di- or they are dinosaurs, but they're like wearing high heels or something <laughs> like that, right? <laughs> and so, so the music is there, and you're expecting this like. Like inspiring image, and then when you look over and there's dinosaurs wearing massive high heels, yeah, you laugh even though even though it's the sad music, music or the majestic music is, music. is yeah. majestic and it's because the image makes the song funny. Gotcha. Yeah. Mm. Okay. But then there are uh, other renditions where. um you know, you already know the music. You already know the scene. You know that they're about to see dinosaurs and stuff. But you, uh, the music is being played by a recorder. Yes. Very poor <laughs> playing of a recorder. Yeah. Damn. And so the image doesn't change. The image is still majestic and amazing. But the recorder <laughs> is absolutely hilarious. So the recorder makes your perception of the image. Uh, completely different than what you had before. Right. Yeah. Do you want to yeah. play those? I don't know. You don't have to pull them yeah. up right now, yeah. but I can, uh, I can put them into well, the Well,
0: I included the the scene that you were describing where they played the song with the recorder. Okay. I can't remember which episode. Oh, yeah, we did talk about we that But we talked that about that, and I included that YouTube okay, video. Okay, so we don't so need to do it again. If you're listening um, and you're going to the website to, to listen to the uh, podcast, just scroll down a few episodes, and you'll see the video of... Uh, Jurassic yeah. Park. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, uh, it may not sound like what you're used to, <laughs> but it's there. Um, all right. So these two videos, in particular, though they 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 brought about emotions that we're not used to hearing mm-hmm. when we're thinking about the Friends theme song or the Imperial March. Yes. So, and you've kind of already answered this. Uh, you've answered it pretty well. But when we're talking about emotions in music, and especially Um, Since we're all in ministry, probably the first place our mind goes is worshiping through music. What role does emotions play in you leading worship and in us um, worshiping ourselves through music, not worshiping ourselves? (laughs) Ourselves worshiping God. (laughs) But worshiping through music, what role do emotions play, and is it okay for us to try to elicit some emotional response when we lead others to worship?
1: Yeah, that's a very good question. So the first one, what role do, do emotions play? And let me let me just kind of pull this back a little bit. Instead of thinking about congregational worship setting, let's think about just worshiping God in general. What role does emotions play in our response to all that God is and all that he's done? And uh, And... Because I I listen to John Piper a lot, he he talks about this quite a bit, and he talks especially about um, the emotions and how they're dealt with in the Bible, where if I were to tell you, be happy or be sad, you'd kind of probably look at me kind of crazy because emotions seem like something you can't uh, command. But Scripture, over and over and over again, actually commands our emotions mm-hmm. for example Paul says rejoice always and again I say rejoice that's that is a that is a, a command that is given to us uh, it's, it's a command of our emotions that we are expected to obey and follow yeah. so emotions play a big role in our responding to worship in, in, uh, are responding in worship to God. Even just the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You cannot detach that verb love from any emotional, affectional value. If you do, then all you you end up with is duty. If love is only action, then anybody can love God if they can do this or do that or do that. It, there there is required in us an affectional response to God so your question what role does emotion play in congregational worship then uh, I would say it plays a large role now it's different because when we think of these commands that God has given us they're a uh, every minute of everyday expectation rejoice always love the Lord with a your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and strength. That's something that is expected of of us at all times. But when we take a specific moment in time and we say, if you're not rejoicing right now, you're sinning, that that's that's much more fine line. So mm-hmm. if we have people coming into the, the sanctuary who are weeping because they just experienced the loss of a loved one the day before, obviously we grieve in a different way than those who uh, don't know the Lord. But at the same time, their emotions are like that without them for, like forcing it to right. be something else. And we wouldn't say, oh, stop crying, rejoice, That's rejoice, right? Yeah. right? So um, so I'd say emotions do play a, a role in our congregational worship, but uh, we have to be careful about saying if you're not experiencing this emotion at this exact time, you're sinning or you're doing something that isn't pleasing to the Lord. So I don't know. Does that make sense? My my perspective of that.
0: Yeah. Did you? Were you gonna? I was gonna
2: bring up something else. If you had a response to his. Yeah, I did have a response to to his. Sense for you to go first.
0: So, I mean, I've always viewed uh, um, emotions as obviously a really good gauge of what's going on in our hearts, as opposed to um, something that instead of something. That should drive us. Yes, uh, it's it's more of a gauge. We should drive our emotions, okay. um, and you know that's that's done in a few different ways. There are situations in our lives, like the situation you described about someone who just lost a loved one. You know, it would be unloving and uh, unreasonable to look at someone and say, "Don't cry, rejoice." Um, because I mean, it's right to mourn, right? When you lose a loved one, it's right to mourn. Uh, but we I think we can steer our emotions uh, in in certain ways by rejoicing in the Lord, even in the midst of heartache. And and
1: difficulty. We and can... By rejoicing in the Lord you mean remembering his promises, yes, remembering exactly. what he's done. Yeah, so on and so forth. Exactly. So those truths that are revealed to us by scripture, if we were to read them, if we were to remember them and believe in them in that moment, it it will bring about and some other type of emotional response that we weren't experiencing the yeah. moment before we were reading
0: that. Yeah, and, and, and in the same way, I mean, I've often been perplexed by the command in, in the Psalms to delight yourself in the Lord mm. uh, because it just, I mean, you don't think of something, you don't think of delighting in something as something that needs to take work, but often delighting yourself in the Lord takes work. Mm-hmm. Um, I can delight myself in chocolate cake, with no effort at all, right?
1: Well, somebody had to put an effort. Somebody had to bake it.
0: But for me to enjoy it, (laughs) yes,
1: duly noted. (laughs) Somebody's not (laughs) grateful. (laughs) But for me to
0: enjoy it, it takes no effort on my part to enjoy uh, that, to delight in that chocolate cake. But sometimes to delight in the Lord... Doesn't always come naturally to me. Mm -hmm. It's something that I almost have to force feed myself, and count on the delighting is going to come later. And that that proves to be true in my experience for the most part. When I when I choose faithfulness in spending time with the Word in the Word, and when I choose faithfulness in worshiping as a church body, um, then often my experience is. The Lord really spoke to me this morning through my time in the Word. I'm so glad I did that, and I'm delighting in the in the Lord, Yeah, and it's coming more naturally. Whereas at 6 o'clock in the morning, I'm tired and I want to go back to sleep. Mm-hmm. My delighting in the Lord in that moment is not coming naturally, but if I choose faithfulness and pray and spend time with the Lord anyway, that delighting, it returns. Mm-hmm. Am I making sense? No, that makes sense,
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, and I think in the same way, we can take a mourning person, M O U R N, yeah. mourning person, and uh, we can we can direct them to the promises of the Lord and allow them to mourn, but they can yes. simultaneously rejoice in mm-hmm. that moment.
1: And often Scripture tells us to do the same thing backwards. If you're rejoicing, don't rejoice. That's right. Weep. Yeah. Weep. Mm-hmm. That's you right. You know, especially if there are others who are weeping, we need to be weeping with them. And how do we do that if we're, f- if everything in our life is going super well, and if all we're feeling is this joy, how do we then generate tears authentically yeah. for our brother who is, who is weeping? And that comes from the knowledge of the situation that they find themselves in, and, and so on and so forth. So you have, to, you have to take in information in order for emotions to, to come out in a yeah. certain way. So.
0: Yeah, I think there's a steering of your emotions yes. that that can occur. It's possible. Yeah. yeah. All right, Robert.
2: Well, I was just thinking about your cake analogy of eating cake. I thought it was a good analogy. Um, something that I have found though is like you say it doesn't take any effort. It does though, because you have to take a bite. And the reason I say that is sometimes I know that when I'm in when you're grieving, when you're in pain when you're wrestling with something, you know God's good. You know there isn't necessarily immediate, I don't know if immediate satisfaction is the right word, but it, it's not immediate. I take a bite, everything's good now. And sometimes we almost get in this cycle, or at least I do, of where you're afraid of the disappointment. You don't even bother taking a bite because it's like it's not going to make it all better at once. So I agree with you, delighting in cake, you don't have to do anything to to enjoy it, but you kind of do, because you have to take that initial bite. In the same way, in order to delight in the Lord, no, it isn't an automatic, as soon as I open my Bible, everything's going to be better, but I do have to approach it in the right way, or it won't lead
1: to delighting in the Lord. Mm -hmm. Um, And some delighting takes a long time to build up, Yeah, to get to that thing. You have to go through a lot of suffering Mm -hmm. in order to get to that delighting, like I would very much so delight to not have any school debt anymore. Yeah. But for the past three and a half years, I've had to have every single month put a large chunk of money away to pay that off. And I still have a, a little ways to go. Like That's something that I cannot experience the delight of that except the hope of it coming mm-hmm. until I until I'd pay my dues and actually mm-hmm. suffer through month to yeah. month to get there. And I think there's a lot of delights in God, in His Word, in relationships with members in the church that also require that, especially in the Word. Like, there's yeah. so many times you go to the Word and you're not understanding it, or you're understanding the... You're, you're getting it, but you're not understanding why, you know, how that actually applies to you or what then you're supposed to do. It takes a lot of work, to get to that point, to understand, and you're, then to believe in that.
0: You're, you're trusting, you have to trust that it's good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and you're, you're building on my chocolate cake analogy by saying, well, yeah, actually, you do have to put, a, put up effort. You've got to take a bite. You're, you're trusting that that chocolate cake is mm-hmm. going to taste good. Yeah. When, when you open the Word and begin reading and studying and praying through the Word, even though we're weary and we want to go back to bed, that action is, is communicating that I am trusting that this word is good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if I take a bite, um, not that I'll just have this rush of sugary sensation like I do when I take a mm-hmm. bite of cake um, and suddenly everything is just, you know, happy, but I'm, I'm expressing a trust in this word that it is good mm-hmm. um, and good for me.
1: Mm-hmm. Anybody mm-hmm. else salivating? <laughs> all right. Well, I, I'm ready for some chocolate. <laughs> so,
0: so then, we should try to to garner emotional responses when we lead others in worship.
1: Maybe carefully. Maybe not. As I was gonna say, I was gonna
2: say, be very carefully. And I'm not when I view because, in a sense, all of what we do and congregational worship, whether it's singing, preaching, et cetera, it all should garner an emotional response on some level. Um, I think we'd have to be careful of just thinking as long as people are – we don't want to just have the approach of it. We just need to whip them up into a religious frenzy. Yeah. And that's the goal. I think the goal is we proclaim the word. We proclaim truths about who God is. And we frame it and we communicate it in such a way that it elicits the appropriate emotional response. Um, so you don't play a worship song out with that's out of key and people are singing it incorrectly because that's just jarring and... But at the same time, I, I do think we need to be careful of this idea that we have to do something extra to elicit the response. I think if we proclaim the word faithfully, God's word will elicit the response. If okay. that makes sense.
1: That does make ma- that, that that does make sense. Yeah, I think I want to clarify that <clears throat> we should always be hoping, wanting, and doing what is appropriate to get people mm-hmm. to the point to love God with all their heart, soul, mind, mm-hmm. and strength. So I think it's less about, do we want people to feel a certain emotion? Do we want that? Yes, we always want people to love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. It is more about the means. Mm-hmm. How do you get them delighting? And, and so like Psalm 47 here is an example. It says, clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. For the Lord, the Most High, is to be feared, a great King over all the earth. He subdued peoples under us and nations under our feet. He chose our heritage for us, the pride of Jacob, whom he loves. So the first line there, first two lines, clap your hands, all peoples, shout to God with loud songs of joy is to a people who probably aren't doing that right now, because otherwise He probably wouldn't command it to them. So do this thing. You should be singing loud songs of joy because the Lord, the Most High, is to be feared. He's worthy of that. If He's worthy of that, then we need to do it. Mm -hmm. So So I can't say, clap your hands, all peoples, shout to God with loud songs of joy, because this piano part is so cool or because we worked on this song for Mm -hmm. months and you're going to see how excellent it is. So Mm -hmm. you should clap and and dance and and join along in with it. The reason for our joy should always come down to God or a God-given thing to be rejoiced in, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. And so it's less about, should we... Should we seek and do all we can for people to respond emotionally to God? Yes, we should, but we should do it with the recognition of who He Mm -hmm. actually is. Yeah. Yeah. It's like
2: we talk about how the truth, gospel truths, the indicative drives the imperative. Who God is, what He's done, the truths of the gospel are the motivation for why we live holy lives. Mm -hmm. If we, and that's something that I, as a we're all emotional people, but there are different levels of certain people are more emotional than others. You are <laughs> very, very emotional. <laughs> <So it's> like, <laughs> I'm a basket case on yeah. a regular <laughs> <case>. <laughs> <laughs> Um But something that's very convicting to me sometimes is we co- become so familiar with gospel truths that they don't, they don't impact me as much as they should. Meditating on the sacrifice Christ made, that should have an emotional response. The God of the universe and his only begotten son to die in my stead. These truths need to elicit an emotional response. We don't need to be trying to artificially manufacture yes, it, yes, like yes, yes. what you said, because we know that if we communicate the truth of God's Word, the whole the Spirit does the heavy lifting, the work in their hearts, then that plus that equals an, appro- an appropriate emotional response. Yes. yeah. that makes s- sense.
1: That's, that's very, yeah. very helpful, because even though Scripture commands us to emote in a certain way, to rejoice, to love, to delight it's still something that God has to do in us. Mm -hmm. That's like the whole point of the new covenant. I will take your heart of stone and make a heart of... I will put in you Mm -hmm. a heart of flesh. So it's not something that just because it says, like just because it's commanded to us doesn't mean that on any given time I can have the will on my own outside of God to do that and to do that well and right. All of this has to be done under the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so when, we're, when I'm leading worship, I'm also praying and hoping that God is working in them to see mm-hmm. Him as He is, mm-hmm. and so that they can come to clap their hands uh, because they recognize that He's to be feared, to shout to Him because they recognize that He's King over all the earth, not because they know they're supposed to, and the songs are actually pretty decent, so I might as well do it. Yeah. It's, it's more about the the lyrics so anyway did you have something else to well add to that? uh
0: so i was just going to ask you know what what encouragement or um what just what would you have to say to someone who is just not wired to express a lot of emotion
1: okay uh uh read the lyrics mm. uh believe the lyrics um and and bring that to God in your own heart and your mind and uh do it over and over again i guess yeah. like yeah. like if you're not responding emotionally to the gospel or to some amazing thing that God is or that he's done for us then that is something that needs to be addressed for mm-hmm. anybody and everybody everybody mm-hmm shows emotion in different ways. Right. Yeah. If you're not singing to a song because you don't like the music, that's a whole different thing. But if you're not actually when you read the lyrics, which should hopefully always have solid biblical truth in them and have some sort of emotional response, then you're letting your musical preferences get to mm-hmm. the get you to the point where you're not listening to truth and not responding to it as you as you should. So I I don't want... That shouldn't sound hard. I I really care that they actually come to a recognition that... And this is... It depends on what church you're in. So if I can talk about Dayton Avenue very specifically, it would be, uh, come and talk to me about your musical preferences. I always love having those conversations. But when it comes down to it, are the lyrics biblical truth? If they are not, come to me now, immediately. And then if they are, well then you should have some sort of emotional yeah. response to yeah. give back to God in that moment.
2: I think, I think it's good that you mentioned, I don't remember exactly how you phrased it, but there is a v- variety of what that looks like. It's not that you need to have the same emotional response as the person next to you. They may be wired differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the repetition. Um, something I find helpful is uh, sometimes I will listen to a song on repeat mm-hmm. and listen to the words over and over and over again because as fallen human beings, we're slow and stupid. Like the truths we know, but we don't really know. Yeah. Um, And another thing is just to pray for God to soften our hearts. Yes. Because the core issue of no emotional response, not like.
0: A subdued response. A
2: subdued response, or I just, I just don't know if I'm happy enough about who God is. Well, Are you you joyful? Yes. Well, Well, don't worry about degrees necessarily. But at the core of a, yeah, this just doesn't make me feel joy to recognize that I've been saved. At the core of that is a hard heart on some level, whether it's unrepentant sin or just trivializing the sacrifice of Christ. And the solution to those things is the spirit of God moving in your heart. So I think a prayer would be repetition would be phenomenal as well, over and over listening to the lyrics, but just praying that God would soften your heart.
0: So there there is the allowance of some uh, variation between mm-hmm. the expressions of emotions. There's mm-hmm. there's, oh, yes. there's one gentleman in our church family who is uh, very joyful mm-hmm. when when we worship. Even when Pastor John is preaching, he'll He'll call out, you know. Will, amen. Like
1: the Scripture says, "Shout for joy." Yes, yes. literally. <laughs> and yeah, I, which by the way, the and by asking. the way,
0: I like that.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. uh,
0: I like that. So mm-hmm. that's not a complaint or a criticism. Um, but there are others like myself who I I may fervently nod along, like, yes, what? <laughs> not quite to that intensity. Like a bobblehead. Yeah, Robert.
1: <laughs> his hair was going crazy. Yeah,
0: um, you know that that uh, proclamation or that encouragement that Pastor Pastor John gave, or that song that Pastor Caleb led us in, like yes, I am, I am moved by that, and I'm affirming the truth in that. Uh, but I'm not one to cry out, Amen. You know, yeah. it. That's just not in my makeup. Mm-hmm, uh, okay. Yeah. So. <laughs> Am I wrong to not do that? So, Uh, uh, (laughs) real fast. Okay, part
2: two. uh, I'm putting myself
1: on the chopping Uh, block. Okay, I I love this. I'm super excited. Okay, so
2: (laughs) I really love that because something I've an analogy I've also often thought of is Abigail and I and how we express our our emotions in terms of our love for Esther. Abigail has asked me sometimes. I, you know, I don't know that I've ever seen you full on cry. Even when Esther was born, I didn't full-on cry. Abigail was sobbing, of course, because here's her little baby. But I was filled with joy and love. And But if you looked at the two of us, it's like, oh, well, she. if we try to too sharply set a line of, well, this is what the appropriate emotional response looks like, you have to say amen or get really excited. It's not that I love Esther any less. It's just I express it differently. It's not that I don't feel those emotions. I do. But they don't have the same outworking does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yes. Uh, uh, if we were to just if we were just to respond naturally, uh, everybody's going to have different responses. Yeah. Which I'm going to say comes from not just I I wouldn't say it's just our uh, DNA, but also where we grew up, mm-hmm. how we what we've yeah. seen is yeah. is a nature and nurture and, combined. Yeah, both of those. Yeah. Um, so. What I would, I, I, I would, there's a difference here between Robert being on the chopping block about not crying when his child was born and Adam not shouting out for joy in, in service. Because there are a lot more biblical, uh, there's, there's a lot more biblical, I guess data, I, I've been using that word too much, but data about What we do in a congregational worship setting versus what you do when your first child was born. So, I would say that if uh, so, like if I'm talking to you very specifically, (laughs) Adam, and you you find yourself as one who isn't going to do that naturally, I would ask the question, "Why?" And you'd probably, what would you say about why you wouldn't be, you wouldn't shout for joy like that? I, honestly, I don't know what I would say. I, um,
0: it's, it's just never uh, okay. It's just never occurred to me to do that. Yeah, I was about to say I would yeah, never good.
1: even think to oh, do that. That makes that's awesome. It's just never occurred to me. Oh, to it's do it's that. actually unfortunate, but it's also awesome. It's awesome because <laughs> it's not something that is being taught to do. Therefore, you don't. You don't actually consider it in your heart as something to do, but if we go throughout all of all of the Psalms, we see many many outward, loud expressions being asked of us from the worship leader to do toward God because of some reason of God being worthy of that. Now, why would shouting for joy be more desired from the worship leader than than? Nodding your head, wi- w- greatly. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> with, <laughs> with with robust, <laughs> <laughs> robust nodding of the head. What What do you think? What do you think would be? Uh, y- w- why do you think it doesn't say nod your head with great fervency? <laughs> why would it, Why would it say shout for joy instead? Well, so let me
0: let me just add something when When you uh, instruct us to clap um and to sing out, i i I am not sitting there like a lump on a log, bump on a log, I think is the appropriate <laughs> phrase. a bump on a log and just staring off and watching everybody worship. Mm-hmm. I, I sing loudly. Yes, yes, yes. I am not embarrassed at my voice, even though I don't
1: I trust you. This is—I'm not attacking you, yeah. uh, and I don't feel attacked, okay, so good, don't worry. Good.
0: But and and I will I will clap, um, maybe sometimes on one and three, even no, though you know, okay, right uh, but, <laughs> but, you know i do my best. But but you know I when when you instruct us, I I delight in worshiping, if we're going to use that word, mm-hmm. um, and I guess it. I get, I get greater joy by um, participating with my brothers and sisters who are standing around me mm-hmm. than uh, having myself singled out shouting above everyone else. And, and that's not a criticism for those that do. I I said earlier, I I love that. Mm -hmm. Um, That brings me joy when I hear someone calling out like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I call it a matter of preference, call it, I don't know what you call it, but I find delight in. Yeah. Participating with people around me. Good. Yeah. I
1: so, don't. so I, I want to go back real quick to the question that I that I asked. Why would they? Why would there be a discrepancy between those two? And I'd say, one, I think the reason why, especially in the Old Testament, those are the commandments that are given, is because it is loud. It will be heard. It will it will be shown in some sort of way that you are responding to God. It glorifies Him in a greater way in terms of will people actually see my response to God or not? So I think that, that that is one of the reasons why we see a lot more of these things is because it is it is a way where your attention is brought to that guy in our congregation immediately because he's loud. That's the thing. Attention will come back to you, and if that loudness that you have coming out of your mouth is going to someone other than you, if you're not saying, me i'm amazing if you're saying god is awesome your attention immediately is drawn to that and then you hear what he says and hopefully that would get you to see exactly what he's looking at so the question i would have then for you with what you said one of the reasons why you wouldn't do it is because you don't want to shout above everybody else what if everybody else was shouting (laughs) what if everybody Uh else is shouting (laughs) then what would you do
0: I would probably shout with him.
1: And this is why I think if you look at uh, and I, this, I'm so sorry. You put yourself on the chopping block. <laughs> no, yeah, you I enjoy, did it. You enjoy football. You enjoy yeah. sports. The reason why it comes so much more naturally for you to shout out during a game, which I'm guessing does come more yeah. naturally to you, is because that's the culture. Yeah. That's the thing. You feel more comfortable shouting in that situation than if you didn't. If you just sat there idly by when somebody got a, an amazing touchdown that should not have happened, and you're just sitting there and you're nodding your head to it, yeah. you would feel so uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. Now, and this is not me saying that you love the Lord more or you love football more than you love the Lord. I'm saying that's the culture,? Right. That's the reason why you are, you're, you're more comfortable doing that mm-hmm. in that scenario. Which is why I would say I would encourage a more biblical congregational culture. I think our congregational culture is one that is not built off of biblical expectations, but more traditional expectations. Not to say that love in the hearts of of the people in America are not for God. Not to say that if they're not doing exactly these things that it's not possible. But if we were to teach and build a culture more like that, I feel like God would be more glorified with a group of people shouting together at God, like the scripture says, than, than sitting in silence. That's my personal understanding. But
0: Robert's wheels are turning. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so I don't disagree because, A, it's in the Word, so it, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> you can't really disagree with the Word. The, 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 and I agree with your statement about it, it is very much a cultural thing because I grew up in a culture... Overseas, where worship was very different. People would dance. Awesome. Actually dance in worship. There is, however, (coughs) the component of our church culture can never be divorced from our culture at large fully. In the sense that how we interpret someone very vocally affirming amen, amen, like that's a wonderful, but what if someone did it every 10 seconds of Pastor John's sermon? That would be very disruptive. And that's because we've been culturally conditioned to when someone is speaking, you listen. And even though a sermon is meant to be, it isn't a uh, monologue, it's meant to be in the sense of dialogue, there's some cultural considerations you have to have. So when you, it's contextualizing. So when you go overseas, we don't plant American Southern Baptist churches in Central Asia. Mm-hmm. We plant churches there. We take their cultural framework and we make sure it's submitted to the gospel and to the word. But there are a lot of things that don't conflict with Scripture. So if it's more appropriate to dance and worship, we're all for that. Would never plant a church here and do that because that would be viewed as trivializing the what's um, what I sort am of looking for—not seriousness, the or solemn, but the sanctity. Of the worship service. So I don't disagree with you per se. I do feel that it's good to affirm someone that says amen and is very vocal and very loud. I don't know that there's anything inherently more biblical about everybody doing it at once
1: all the time. Well, that
2: was not what or I- Or not all the time, but like building a culture where l- more vocal proclamation is necessarily a good thing in worship? I don't think it's a bad thing. I'm not sure. I would say it's necessarily a good thing.
1: Okay, it can be though. I think we would disagree on that. Yeah, and I think it just comes down to when I think of wanting to exalt or glorify mm-hmm. something, or in a, in, a, in a way that would make more sense, bring more attention to something. Yes. Then I am going to make it as obvious as I yeah. possibly can. Yeah.
2: Yeah, my only thought process as well is that there, I agree ac- praising God vocally is very important. And so I'm all for the amens um, and all that. There are also passages that talk about, particularly in the New Testament, but there needs to be um, not having disordered services and distractions and stuff like that. And to, and to my point, if someone every 20 seconds of Pastor John's sermon is shouting amen, that's super distracting. It can be a good thing, and I don't get angry. Um, but there needs to be a balance in my mind of if you were led by the spirit to rejoice and to worship in that way, power to you. But I don't think it's necessarily biblical to say, now that's the framework or the biblical standard is, and I'm not saying this is what you're saying, but just to say that more loud proclamation equals better.
1: And uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And that's
2: not what you're saying per se, but it's like, just because we are. Changing our church culture to where everyone was that person that said "Amen" isn't necessarily good or bad in my mind.
1: And I think we're 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 talking about two different things because when I'm when I'm reading the Psalms, they're not preaching; they're singing. So so the 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 congregational worship aspect of sing. All together, shout to God, clap mm-hmm. your hands. That's in a different area okay. than preaching. Yeah, so when they just brought talking. the word, like for the, the, the yeah. huge uh, worship service after mm-hmm. they were brought back from the exile and they read the law, mm-hmm. had to have been, well, it, it, was, it, was, it could have been one. Two, he, he just stood up there and read. Yeah. And it says in the Bible that the people out in the congregation were asking one another, Learning what what these yeah. things are saying while he's speaking about it mm-hmm. because not all of them had a copy or anything yeah. like that So that particular situation have... was probably loud But it was because they're seeking for more understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so it depends on what your goal is from the platform from the person Who's up front leading okay. if the goal is for them to be mm-hmm. listening? Then then please let's not disrupt other people okay. but if they say something and in their saying it are eliciting a response, I would be much more preferable to actually have a response to something like that. Like in Paul's writings, whenever he whenever he like finishes up this whole section with just this praise to God, mm-hmm. you just feel that with him, and hopefully mm-hmm. it would be a, a more yeah. common response to say amen with him. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying, I, I think that you do, there, there needs to be, order, there needs to be understanding, if that were to be getting out of hand and keep other people from hearing the Word of God, then it needs to be talked about. All I'm, I'm talking more about the singing. I'm okay. talking more about those moments that are opened up for the sake of bringing as much attention to God as possible, which I think would be done better with louder sounds and with more expression. So, hmm. if again, that is the goal. Yep. And I think whenever we hear uh, with, with worship services and stuff, it's not about. And I, I hate this about. Honestly, I can just say it out loud right now. I hate this about our, our the American culture of the way that congregational worship is. This even though we have our lights off, this turning off the lights, making it feel like I'm the only one in the room, so then I can express I'm worshiping God in there such a way to be next that to me. Yeah, yeah 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 like that is not church congregational worship. It needs to be this something where we are interacting with one another. Your relationship with God is personal, but it's not only personal, especially when you come to church. That's the time where you're meant to be encouraging with one another, and seeing each other sing, and encouraging one another to sing together loudly, all these different things, is something, is a joy that I think we, we don't experience fully because... We shut all the lights off and we say, "Have your time with the Lord right now."
0: One of one of my favorite elements during worship, uh, worshiping through music, is when the band drops off and and you might good yeah you might leave some
1: piano percussion or a in there yeah, or you know I don't know guitar yeah
0: yeah you might leave something in there just maybe to keep everybody yeah. singing in, in time right yeah but when the band largely just cuts off and you can just hear everybody singing Mm -hmm. that brings a lot of joy yeah yeah, Uh, mm -hmm. and and i really love moments like that
1: so can i just explain one thing one thing that i wanted to make sure i said with this particular from the hip episode um is we talked we've been talking a lot about that person who may who may not express as much in worship who may not as the music rises and falls follow with it in Mm -hmm. every possible way and I want to talk to the person who does, and the person who, when the music is, when it, when the music is high, and loud, and fast, and exciting, they are exciting, that's the moment when they raise their hands, that's the moment when they start moving, and then whenever the music is died down, then they're more solo, and they're more, you know, uh, it's not about the music, if, if, Uh, The warning would be, if you are doing that because the music is doing that, stop doing that and start reading the lyrics. Start letting the lyrics into your mind and your heart in such a way that it is the truth that is causing you to respond. And all I want to do is be a musician who prepares for those expected emotional responses to the truth and is there to meet you with it, so you can rejoice in fullness, so that it, so that it's fitting a fitting sound to that particular truth. That's why when when we do gospel songs, which I, I call them gospel songs because it's like the first verse is usually about we didn't we didn't deserve God or, or obviously we were sinful. The second verse is about His sacrifice, and the third verse is usually about Him rising from the grave. The reason why so many songs have that kind of, you know, in the third verse, we're either building really, really heavily, or the, the, there's those hits, is because of the lyrics. Mm-hmm. If the lyrics weren't there, it wouldn't make any sense at all. But it still has potential of actually bringing about emotional response. So be careful that if you are being emotional in a certain moment, that it's not because simply because the music is there, but that you are there because the lyrics have caused you to get to that point gotcha so
0: very good very good well great discussion uh
1: yeah this has been good helpful and (laughs) well we talked about the thing that i do for a living so (laughs) that's true (laughs) it makes sense so it
0: feels these things would come naturally to you (laughs) and you'd be able to speak well into them which you have so but
1: i really appreciated Uh, talking to you guys about it yeah well good Uh, especially adam yeah. But not so much Robert. I'm going well I'm gonna go crawl <laughs> under a rock. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> apparently
0: the way I've been worshiping that is all that, wrong. Apparently um.
1: we all need to worship the way
2: Caleb <laughs> wants. <laughs> that was my takeaway from this.
0: <laughs> so let's see, the takeaways. Um
2: scream really loud during worship. You scream really loud. <laughs> I
0: love football more than Jesus. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you're an
2: introverted, quiet worshipper, you're a sinner. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't take away any of those. No. <laughs> uh,
0: but valid points. Yeah. And and it did in all honesty, it did make me think, why am I when in, instead of just kind of nodding in affirmation, why am I subduing the urge to say amen out loud? Why am I subduing the urge to uh, raise my hand if mm-hmm. if it's um, if it's because of something that, and I'm I'm failing to think of an example here, but if it's just something that I'm I'm not an overly emotional person and I'm I'm still worshiping inwardly and I'm still delighting in the Lord in that moment but I just don't have like I described earlier it just doesn't occur to me to raise my hands or whatever then then maybe that's one thing but if I'm if I'm subduing that urge because oh that's you know that's something that I'm not used to doing. I'm afraid mm-hmm. somebody's going to look at me, yeah. and it becomes about me. Then that that needs to be brought to the Lord, and I need a heart check, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, so, so you've given me some things to think about, cool. uh, to just to examine my own heart. Why, when these thoughts come into my mind, to say Amen or to raise a hand or to, you know in the blank. Why am I subduing that? Mm-hmm. And and so maybe an examination of my heart is in dun, order. Dun, so dun. yeah, so no, you've you have helped me. Okay. Uh, so I appreciate that. Well, thanks for asking yeah. the
1: questions. And you know, one last thing about this. When I, you know, growing up, the reason why we didn't raise our hand or shout loudly or sing louder than the person next to us is because it brings attention to us. And that is something that we don't want. Yeah. But The more and more that I read, especially the Old Testament and David, his argument is, I want to be seen because you have done so much for me so that I can tell people about what you've done. So I want as much attention as I possibly can because my heart is to direct that attention to God. And so that's the difference. If If you are shouting and if you are putting your hands up, if you are dancing because you want people to see you and rejoice in you, stop doing it. Go hide in a corner. But if you're doing it and you're doing it because you're entirely focused on God and you want to see Him glorified, then don't subdue it. So anyway. All right. And again, if if not if if you go back and listen to this, and you say Caleb said something, and that wasn't actually biblical, that's what matters the most. It's not so yeah. much about the way that I worship, but yeah. hopefully we're all uh, becoming more biblical in our worship. So.
0: Well, great. Well, fellas, thanks for your time and good discussion, and hope for those of you listening, it it is uh, brings you things to think about. And yeah.
1: So. And uh, I have a suggestion. How about uh, as we go out here the, from the hip, let's shout it okay. together. Can we do that? <laughs> yeah. So I'll, I'll say one, two, three, and then we, uh, we got to shout it We're literally shouting. Literally going to shout it out. <laughs> So this is like, just like a test for you, Adam. <laughs> <laughs>
0: to see if you, it's actually in you. And this is how this is already making me uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I don't go know. Like, you shout. D- oh, go ahead. Am what? I doing like screamo music or what? <laughs> yeah. how Wait, how do I do shouting? this? <laughs> yeah. What is it
1: going to sound like? Yeah. yeah. So, but when we do this, go ahead and pull the mic away from your okay. mouth a little bit. All, All right. right. <laughs> so here we go. Uh, three, two. One. From the hip!